0: Speechless. I've just watched videos. (sighs) I told Pete that I'm not a morning person. I was a bit sleepy. (laughs) And he showed me videos of what's just happened in the prison where he's at. That I was in. In the first five (laughs) minutes of YouTube, you're not supposed to get too graphic. So, how can I phrase this? Heads getting cut off, beating hearts in people's hands dismembered and bodies dismembered bodies and these were people you knew
1: two of my friends have been beheaded two of the guys I was on the same wing as uh, one whose name is Marino so R.I.P. Marino uh, was yeah beheaded uh, in Ecuador sorry in it's Ecuador in the prison uh, on Tuesday that was the 23rd of what were we on January uh, February <laughs> yep yeah. In the prison riots that have just happened in Ecuador, big, big, big riots in four of the prisons, in well, in the prison that I was in, in Guayaquil, in Cuenca, Turi, Cuenca, um, Latacunga, and, and one of the 80 dead in total. And it's ongoing. Uh, struggle for control of the prison uh, between rival gangs, the Choneros, Los Lobos,
0: uh, and a few others I've forgotten the names of. And in these videos, they were saying um, one was a snitch that they just massacred.
1: I'm sure quite a few infor- yeah police informants that were in the prison got taken out in
0: this r- most recent massacre. So sure, do they house the police informants in separate areas? No. And then when there's a riot, they get into that area. Is that how it works. No, in the, the the prison in Ecuador. I mean, I know you did
1: time in the states. Yeah, And it was like. There, I'm sure, informants and whatnot would be on a separate wing, as in Britain, they're on the numbers or, or the rule, well, I can't remember, what it, Rule 34, is it? The numbers they call the it in this country. in, country, in England, anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the sex offenders and all the rest of the people that shouldn't be on the main population or in the main population. Whereas in Ecuador, it's all kind of mixed in and mish-mashed together.
0: Including sex offenders.
1: Yeah, including sex offenders. Sometimes they would get singled out, but normally they get killed. Yeah. So, um but yeah, generally it's all sort of mixed, mashed in together. It was quite weird for me because having been in prison in England and having that them and us uh, sort of mentality, to then seeing rapists
0: you know, on the wing with us who you know had done pretty awful things. But well, then when it kicks off into a right situation, they clean house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anything quite like that before in my life. It's like a butcher's shop on a on a Friday. It was <laughs> it? Wasn't it? I mean, we can't even show this stuff. It would shut a YouTube channel down. This stuff is yeah. so horrific. It was like watching Saw movie. Yeah, but for real. Yeah. What Horrendous. Did you, what did you guys think of it?
1: It was think? disturbing, isn't it? Yeah.
0: To say the least. My goodness. All right. So, <sighs> welcome to Peter. <laughs> and he has a book out, which is really harrowing, not just from the graphic stuff of the gangs, but also I was just horrified by the lack of medical treatment, the medical treatment that Peter still, you know, the medical condition, Peter still suffers to this day yeah. as a consequence of what he went through and in some of these prisons, if you can't, if you don't have money, you don't get treated. That's why I like charities like prisoners abroad. Yeah. Do really good work. A little bit. They pay for people to have medicine that they just wouldn't get and they would die if they're a UK citizen overseas. That's who they support. So please support Prisoners Abroad and the Curse yep. and Trust. They're great people. Definitely. Um, so chronologically then, we were going through your story. Yeah. Oh, um, Peter's links will be in the description box as well. His Vice videos got three plus million views. And you, do you like people to contact you through Facebook or anything like that? Yeah, they can do. Yeah. Okay, we'll put Come all ahead. that down there. And, and the link for the book on Amazon as well. It's an absolutely brilliant read. Thanks. I left a five star review for it on Amazon. Did you? Thank you. (laughs) So, last time we left off, right, you you, you took us through your entire journey. Most of it. Of how you got into this (laughs) cocaine business, in and out of prison in the UK, started out as a party person, but then you made some quite heavy contacts. And you actually made news headlines in the UK, just to recap. Yeah. There was a, a lab, wasn't there, up in Scotland? What was that about?
1: Uh, yeah, the, the lab got taken out in Edinburgh with a couple of Colombians in there uh, who were extracting, well, allegedly extracting cocaine from uh, a tent uh, that, that we had allegedly brought into the country.
0: Um, the. Well, where did I finish off last time? I finished off last time, there was like a riot situation, there was like a warfare. Well, I mean, yeah, that was the, that was the gunfight. The in, gunfight. In Ecuador. Yeah. Shall I finish
1: with that? Yeah, what let's keep that? going with that. All right. So, yeah, when we last finished off here, uh, I was talking about a gunfight that had happened on my wing uh, between the the gang, the Chorneros and the Cubanas, who were the two main gangs in the prison at the time, rival gangs. And they were trying to get to the boss of the Choneros, who was called uh, J.L. or Jota Ellie Jose Luis Zambrano. And on December 28th of the year just gone, they managed, well, he was released uh, a few, couple of months prior to that. And on December 28th, he was shot dead in a cafe in the port city of Manta in Ecuador, taken out by a Colombian uh, hitman. On behalf of one of the other gangs or there was some talk of a Mexican cartel being involved, but I think that was just a supposition. So he was executed basically. Uh the video of which we have here. Which we will not be showing? No. Uh sad news because I knew him. He was he was quite a decent guy. Dangerous, but decent. <laughs> uh I'm in regular contact with his brother, Carlos, still to this day. I spoke to him yesterday um and as, as as a consequence of him being killed uh there's now a power struggle in the prisons uh which has brought about this massacre
0: that we were talking about just now
2: <sighs>
0: james <laughs> said he was going to put some of this stuff on his channel for you yeah. james all right what's your channel called james
2: i underground think it would have films. to
0: be <laughs> i'm being sarcastic of course but this is an opportunity to plug james's channel at this point underground <laughs> films the link will be in the description box <laughs> 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 all right yeah keep going okay uh yes yeah, so
1: there was the the gunfight uh I, th- I think i gave a description of it last time didn't i
0: yeah but if you want Cut. to recap as, as well, as
1: a couple sh- of people were shot dead uh yeah, I remember I was talking about it and um, we were made to stand in all the blood and all the rest of it. Yeah. Which is pretty gory. And how's um, that?
0: how is that standing in blood? Uh, were you both nice. up?
1: Fu- no, I wasn't actually. I'd put on a pair of trainers which were ruined after that. They were soaked about that far up the training in the guy's blood. Obviously who I knew. Wow. And it was yeah, the width of a prison cell. So from what, about my arm's width I suppose. Yeah. English prison cell. Yeah. Half of that area, uh, entirely um, saturated in his blood. Oh. Well about that deep I mean he bled he's bled out. He was a big guy. Oh. There was a lot of blood. <laughs> Hundred and thirty of yeah. us herded into there and then
0: cat and nine tailed coming out by the police. As a lesson. Are you okay psychologically after seeing all this stuff firsthand? Because <laughs> you just showed us us on camera. And I don't yeah. feel okay after watching this stuff on <laughs> camera. My stomach is still funny right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how you were living with these people day in, day out. You yeah. were very close to some of these gang leaders, like yeah. bonding with them. They were protecting you at one point, and then all of a sudden, you're seeing them get murdered in horrible detail. I mean, how how do you deal with that psychologically?
1: it's it's difficult I mean when I was there because you were in it and you were in this situation and it's a daily occurrence people getting shot dismembered yeah. and burned or, I mean every form of killing that you can think of hung drowned poisoned I mean everything
0: so you've seen every, every form everything, of killing yeah, really, in, in front what, of your eyes yeah, you've,
1: yeah virtually everything
0: I don't think there's many people been on this podcast who've, who've had that experience you know
1: yeah it's not nice I mean I've i I stopped counting the number of people that I've that I
0: know that have either been killed or died. It's just yeah. it's way over a hundred. You've seen over a hundred people. Way over That has gotta be a record on this podcast. And that is by virtue of the environment, isn't it? Yeah. E- I mean Ecuadorian you know it, it, prison.
1: the murder rate in there was between five and six a week. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's nearly one a day.
0: So there's two things then. There's the psychological Burying of that to adapt to the situation because it's yeah. raw survival mode for you. You're yeah. thinking, shit, that could happen to me. How do I avoid it? So you're not really thinking. I feel sorry for that guy until later on when it's like you're free and you're probably wondering, like, yeah. Yeah. they were my mates. I had to bury that at the time just to get through it. But now I think, fucking, hell, I've got some trauma here that I might need yeah. some, some I mean, counselling or something. Yeah, I was I
1: was diagnosed with complex PTSD, which is uh, the complex part signifies where you're in an enclosed environment or an environment which you can't escape from. And it's repeated trauma ongoing. Yeah. And you imagine Torture. I was there over nine years. And this is like almost daily. So, you know, in the back of your mind, every day you're thinking, is it going to be me tomorrow or today? You know, you just don't know what's going to happen because it, it can flash like that. Yeah. Suddenly, you know, you might get caught in the crossfire. Someone might just take umbrage with you or not like you for whatever reason and put yeah. a knife. You know, just so many ways to die there, and very quickly. Yeah. Very
0: quickly. Oh, wow. All right, yeah, I've got loads of questions about that, but let's keep going with the story for now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so after that shootout,
1: um, they took most of the the Choneros, because there was about 20 or 30 of them on the wing that I was on. They took them out and put them on a, a wing, especially for them so they could have their own wing, basically, out of the area that was controlled by this other gang, the Cubanos. And because I'd become very close to these guys, uh, this hot early JL and his brother Carlos and that group, because they were kind of better guys. The other gang, the Cubanos, were kind of more street-level criminals, like robbers, thieves, rapers you know, all that sort of stuff. Whereas these guys were more educated and just generally easier to get, easier to get on with. Sorry. Um And he'd actually put me in charge of dealing the Coke on the wing as well. so you, you can see that I was quite you know quite in with him. And obviously the other gang were aware of this and didn't like the fact that I was like that with them. And the only thing that saved me was the fact I was a foreigner, and the day after this shooting had happened, this this gun battle, because uh, it happened at 9: 30 at night. Uh, in October of, I can't remember when, 2008, and eight, nine, something like that. The next day, the the gang that was then controlling the wing, the uh, the Cubanos, locked everybody in their cells and said, you can't come out. And they went cell by cell, dragging out anyone they didn't want in the wing, anyone that was vaguely connected to the John the Eros, beating them, torturing them, just taking all their stuff off them, and then fucking them off out of the wing, basically. And I could hear him going round, getting closer and closer to myself, bang, 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 bang. And I'm going, Oh God, I I know it's coming. Oh my god. I know it's coming. You know. I was surprised when the shooting was going on that I didn't actually get shot because the things bounced, the bullets bouncing off my door, impacting the door and stuff like that. And I was thinking, you know, that they're either trying to get in or I'm, you know, I could be on the list. Luckily for me, my visitor who had permission to come in. Most, you know, most any day, because she was part of the church out there. A woman called Mercedes turned up that day to see, obviously, to see if I was okay because it'd been on the news. Turned up literally about three cells before they reached my. That's like guardian angel, right yeah. There. She was my guardian angel, so she's she's now in my cell on the door. Shut. They bang on the door, and I think, oh, this is it. I'm done. I open the door and I said, look, I'm. Um, with my visit, because visits there were like sacrosanct. And they sort of looked around me, looked at each other, and went, Wait a minute. <laughs> I closed the door, went off. I obviously had a bit of a confab, came back, banged on the door again. There's about 20 or 30 of them there, all like raring to get in the cell, <laughs> knives and guns out. <laughs> and uh, Mercedes is like, You're not coming in, you're not coming in. And they said, Okay, you're a foreigner, we'll leave it for now.
0: But it didn't stop there. Wow, this has got to be some of the craziest, most dangerous <laughs> shit I've ever heard in my life. So We've had some stories on this <laughs> channel, but I mean, I've just seen this this morning. Heads yeah. getting cut off, hearts, this is what got, happens. And they were coming for him.
2: <laughs> they were coming for him. Three me.
0: doors away.
1: <laughs> I mean, Peter, generally I don't talk about these things outside of... Things like interviews, yeah. because people don't believe you. They go, "That can't be true." Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen. you were in prison. People don't have guns, machetes, explosives, phones. You're in a prison. That, that doesn't happen. But I'm afraid, yes, it does in South America. And if you want, to, if if you want to question me, just check the news, recent news, BBC, and sh- and around out, the
0: world. Shout out to Natalie Welch as well, because when yeah. she arrived in her prison in Venezuela, same thing. She saw the armed men on the roof and thought they were the guards. <laughs> They were the gang members. Well, Which are kind of gods
1: <laughs> to a
0: certain extent. <laughs> and we've done her audio book as well and her paperback and her ebook. It's all republished on the Natalie Welch Escape from Venezuela's Deadliest Prison. I'll have to try and remember put all these links in the <laughs> description box. How is she? Oh, she's doing really good. Yeah, She lives overseas now. She knows some of my friends because I'm from near Gloucester. She's uh, a yeah. mutual
1: friend. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. big shout out to Guy Rumble. Cool. So... Sure, we'll be happy to hear that.
0: <laughs> Alright, the three doors away, Guardian Angel just fucking materialises. Yeah, yeah. But it's not over. 30 dudes, machete's gone. Yeah. We're coming So
1: Mercedes you know, have my visit, and I'm just praying that Mercedes won't leave, to be honest. Oh my god,
2: I can't. I can't know you it's must have wet
0: in your pants at that <laughs> I was visit. pretty
1: worried. I mean, this isn't a normal visit that it was just her on the wing. Yeah. She was the only visit that had come in. Yeah. So it was it was literally a Guardian Angel time. So she leaves and uh Obviously, they've gone on and smashing other doors and. Do, hold on, know, hold on, they, slow
0: down, slow down. As she's leaving, what is going through your head as you're realising the I'm visit? I'm just praying she wouldn't leave <laughs> the visit. You realise I cannot keep this visit going anymore. Yeah, it's what, my what is going life through life. your head?
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> just what can I do? I mean that 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 was the that was the thing in there. What there was no there was no escape. Um, Did you in... pull
0: every trick out your sleeve to keep it going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> leave <laughs> and then it comes the point where she's got to go yeah. now you're thinking right <laughs> I'm dragging on doing <laughs> coattails <laughs> don't go <laughs> how what's the procedure now to get from the visit room to oh there's no there's no visit room oh it's on the wing that's what I mean she oh was, on the yeah, wing yeah she was in my cell she's in your cell that's what saved gotcha, me gotcha 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 yeah, yeah 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 so you've got a female in there with a foreigner the 30 gang members yeah they've looked in and said what well,
1: just seeing her yeah. and said, oh, you know, I've said, look, I've got a visit. <laughs> They're hoping that would save me. And and they,
0: did, is that because they have like a respect for women and yeah,
1: stuff? The, the, yeah. It's very respectful of females, women, um, and also just the visits are very sacrosanct. So the minute she leaves then, are you like
0: peeping your head out? Well, you no, because like, all, all
1: the doors were still, no, 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 because it, was, it wasn't, in the, that particular prison, the doors were solid wood yeah. or metal. Thankfully, because that's what stopped the bullets coming through. Yeah. Um so the door stays shut now because obviously they they are still going cell to cell. And they finish and I'm and I'm sat there thinking, please don't come back. Please have forgotten. And Time goes by, and so there's a, a much lighter knock at the door. Obviously, I'm listening out for footsteps. How how much longer?
0: <laughs> how much time has passed when this new knock comes? It's probably in the evening now. In the evening, like six, seven, something like that. Okay. And
1: this other guy from their gang, the Guamanos, comes to the door. He's quite he was quite friendly with me, anyway. Yeah. Because I, I I obviously I had friends on both sides. Yeah. Because I've been there years, and I was a foreigner. They sort of saw me as not really being either or the other but because I had been involved with the Choneros and selling drugs to them and become quite tight with them and there were a couple of them just didn't like foreigners so that was trouble
0: so you've got some friendlies in the Cubanas yeah yeah
1: okay and quite high up as well so okay so anyway one one of them comes to the cell and he knocks on the door he says look I think you'll be right you know uh, you might just have to smooth it over a bit so I don't know if it was that night or a couple of nights after. I've got, I get taken to the new boss's cell. He was this skinny guy. I think there were three of them. Normally it was one gang member would be like the boss of each wing. And then he'd have his underlings, like boss of the drugs, a boss of the alcohol, and the boss of this, that, and the other.
0: So they take me to one of their cells. Hold on a minute. You just said, the guy said, I think you're going to be all right. So yeah. people are being butchered, macheted. <laughs> and shot oh no shot they shot. were shot this time <laughs> and you're being told by a gang member I think you're gonna be alright you might just have to smooth things over with us come on now <laughs> yeah come along what come what? on Peter <laughs> is that a bit like in your head is that a bit like how the fuck am I gonna get through this uh, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> very much so I mean you, you you say it in a very calm voice and you're smiling yeah, I wasn't smiling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, this is part of the reason I got through it, is because you see how I am. You yeah. know, I, I can adapt to nearly any situation with any type of person.
0: So, did, did you just keep very mild mannered then yeah. yeah. these Yeah, to be
1: very humble, very mild mannered. was just like, yeah, yeah. So, they take me to his cell. I walk in the door, yeah. and this other guy who I was quite friendly with on, on their team, <laughs> should we say, called <laughs> Armando, who was in there for killing three police officers. Quite a big guy, pretty strong. As I walk in the door, Armando stood behind the door, and I didn't see him. So the door slammed shut behind me, <gasps> and Armando's there. I know when Armando's there, you might not be going out of the cell because <laughs> Armando is used to chokehold people and then drown them. <laughs>
0: That's his job. You've seen this guy execute people.
1: Oh yeah, <sighs> he's quite
0: friendly. <laughs> this is just getting crazy and crazy, man you're in the dark closes, there's the execution who you've seen I said hi Armando how are you (laughs) I guess that's all you can do you're powerless aren't you yeah completely um, powerless
1: this new boss who I called the maggot because he was thin and he looked like a worm so I called him El Gusano, which is maggot or worm in Spanish that was his nickname no that's what I called him when when a couple of them found out they said don't let him know that because he will kill you (laughs) so anyway the worm uh, el gusano uh, starts because you know he, he, I can see he's been drinking which is always oh, a bad
2: you know it's you know,
1: just not good and probably doing coke as well which is he makes it even worse so he, I come in and there's a couple of them in there and Armando right now behind me on the door shut and uh, he looks he's you know he's sort of I've sat against the table and he's had a drink and he sort of looks at me like this out of the corner of his eye, looks back, takes a drink, looks at me again and starts saying, "Look, we know you were tight with these other guys and this that, and the other, but we we've decided to to forgive you."
0: Oh my god! When, you, when but, they said that, what was going
1: through your head? But only, only if you—I oh, think they asked for money. I'm pretty sure they did. I'm trying to remember because I mean, so much has happened in nine years. It's, you're a it's westerner, You're a piggy it. bank. It's, it's just—they yeah, exactly. want they're shaking it's just you down. Pounds, of, well, dollars, yeah, signs in this yeah. case. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you know, you're gonna have to pay a fine, a multa, you know, fine. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of expected it. That—that that was the best thing. That was the best-case best best scenario. Option. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By your way out. So I was like, oh, well, you know, I don't know whether I'm, you know, I try, I'm trying to be clever. Played hard to get.
2: Just <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a laugh.
1: Oh, well. So, and then he turns around <laughs> and he says, oh, look, I, I could have you killed right now. I said, well, go on then. And I tell you what, I wish I fucking hadn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> because... Because he was half sort of joking with me Before, before I said out, that And then called I called him out. him out And of course he had his friends and he'd been drinking And as soon as I said it I thought you stupid idiot Why the fuck did you say that It was going so well yeah. Until you said that deal <laughs> was in the <laughs> And uh, yeah His demeanor changed <laughs> Can you describe that well, he just, His mouth just went down instead of up <laughs> It's like, turn a smile upside down. It's a frown. It's not the other way around here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's frowning. <laughs> and um, he uh, he's turns to Armando and says, oh, Armando, go and get the other guys. And then I start going, "Well, I was only joking. And he said, well, it's too late. You said it now. Oh, I, was oh, like, oh, well, I, was, I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, I, then I started apologizing. And I was like, no, I'm really sorry I didn't. <laughs> But I was starting to get worried. So... How was your bladder at this point? It was was getting weak. (laughs)
0: little drips.
1: No, not that bad. (laughs) So Armando comes back after about 10 minutes and me sweating in there. Maybe not 10 minutes, actually. Probably about two or three. With the rest of the team? With a few more guys. Uh, Who you've probably seen. And I I saw there was a bucket, like a tub of water, you know, ready where they've obviously been you know, waterboarding other people. And uh, they come in and start going, you know, and uh, yeah, basically he turns to me, I think it was actually Armando or someone else spoke up for me and said, oh, you know, give him a pass. Really? But it's going to cost you.
0: <laughs> you know that. <laughs> are you not making jokes anymore at this point?
1: No. <laughs> no, the jokes are stopped. <laughs> Joke time was
2: finished
0: <laughs> happy hours cancelled <laughs> yeah so how how did you manage to Sorry. get out of that <clears throat> meeting let's say yeah
1: um yeah i i think i agreed to pay a, a fine which uh i did in the in the in the uh, days after i think as i remember so it was about a Grand, I think they did that pay.
0: So that was a one off payment. Did you have to give them a monthly stipend to hold? Well, this is bay? the problem.
1: After is they all the people that they didn't like, they started taxing, and they would then they they for everybody on the wing. I th- I'm just trying to remember exactly what they did, but I think it was they set a weekly, uh, like uh, every payment to the gang of about $20 per person. Per week. Per week.
0: And this is a very popular country. Were they all foreigners or were this locals?
1: No, this is uh, all locals, mainly locals. That's a lot, There's isn't about it, five though? or six foreigners on the wing. That's, that's a that's big, it. big tax on the locals. About 130 people. So, yeah, maybe te- eight or 10 foreigners, mm. max. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, $20 like on every payment, $10 for food as well. And then any other schemes that they might cook up for things like painting the, the wing obviously they got the payment for free from the government but they would charge everybody $20 for that as well so every week they would come up with a, a new project plus all these other payments I mean they were bankrupting everybody as much as they could and it, oh, anyone they didn't like as well they'd pick one or two people every week on a Saturday or Sunday and they'd just go around and they'd strip the cell and throw them off the wing to take everything off them
0: and did they have the power to keep doing that or did that foment oh, yeah, a rebellion
1: no, because I mean they, the, you know, they were the main gang then. The, this other gang that were a lot better the Choneroes, they they'd been uh, ejected to another wing of their own. I kind of wish I went with them to be honest, because I'd have been set. Mm. But I stayed behind, did it the hard way, and uh, this went on for a few months, and I got sick of it. And uh, they'd sort of started making it. it Basically, the wing was a long, thin wing like this. Two stories, but the, the the bottom story was where I was, and it was that was one wing separated from the upper, which was a separate wing. But the upper one started to become a wing just for foreigners, so I had a good English friend up there, and I decided in the end to, to move up there, but I had to do it really cleverly. Gradually started passing my things up, you know, as, as slyly as I could. And then on... I think on a visit day, I managed to pay the Heffy the Gear, the head guard, $200 to come and get me with some backup from upstairs from another part of the same gang, but a friendlier part. <laughs> from a guy called Medievacker, which is half cow, and he looked like a cow, and he was big and fat. <laughs> half cow came and got me. <laughs> with the Heffy the Gear, the head guard. Oh, who was called Angel Eyes because he would killed that many inmates. This black guy with the eyes like death. Literally called Angel Eyes. This is like Cloud Cuckoo Land meets <laughs> <Yeah>. mass murder. <laughs> it's just insanity, I know. So I managed to get upstairs, but they—they yeah—they didn't like it because they saw me as a cash cow, and they saw their cash cow disappearing quite quickly out the door, running, <laughs> <laughs> mooing as he went. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so then I moved to upstairs, which uh, was called Ateneo Alto. Uh, which is actually the same wing as my friend who's just been beheaded, Marino. That was the same wing. Yeah. So that was goodbye to downstairs. Never to return. (laughs) Never to return. And on a happier note, El Gusano is now dead. The maggot. (laughs) What happened to the maggot? He got released from prison and he pissed off that many people that um, he was traveling down a... Uh, a road somewhere in Ecuador at high speed on a on a on a motorbike or a scooter or whatever and someone pulled a garrote wire across it and peeled his head back I'll <sighs> tell you what when they phoned me up and told me they'd done it I was so happy I was ecstatic <laughs> <laughs> to say that he's so they farewell, don't, farewell Gusano
0: they do all these homicides in style don't they yeah they're How'd pretty be? inventive yeah. yeah wow where there's a will there's a way so <laughs> you've moved to this other wing now and do you feel
1: safe with these with the foreigners Uh, yeah I mean it's not all foreigners I mean there's still the the Cubans are still running that wing as well but they're a lot more laid back and I know most of them up there anyway and also I knew from my previous experience in Quito where I'd had our little uh, Euro band of the foreign gang that I set up I knew that if we had numbers we were a little bit
0: better protected because we could get armaments possibly and whatnot but at least we stood
1: half a fighting chance,
0: you know. Did the foreigners then, were they pretty hardcore or did you have to do some hand-holding? I mean, like a new foreigner coming in, for example, suddenly sees people getting murdered. No, most new foreigners, when they
1: came in, we would get hold of them because they they started being brought to our wing after that. So we would get them and say, look, you know, just give them an easy landing, basically.
0: And when you explain to them what actually happens in there, were they, like, incredulous? Generally, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and to perhaps think that you were make, making up things and, yeah, and I they think would see they, for the until they hands. saw a
1: gun or, or or something
0: in someone's hand and then they'd realise that you weren't joking and it was real and did they change did it change like the the way they behaved after that when they realised it was real
1: yeah yeah I mean I remember on several occasions you know maybe someone who would come in and they'd be a little bit more cocky than someone else and they'd think you know with the western sort of mentality that they would think oh you know we have not oh, High and mighty, and this is a third world, and I can take the piss, and I've got money, so I can do what I want. <laughs> no, <laughs>
0: not not here. It's the opposite way around. You're the minority. Did you see anyone like that push it so far that they brought the consequences upon themselves? My best friend got killed there, Steve. Do you want to yeah. give us give us Steve's backstory and say what happened?
1: Yeah, um, just just to say his out of respect because he's got two daughters I think he may have a few more and one of them contacted me just a couple of days ago asking for more information because after he was murdered the embassy kind of covered it up a bit I've explained to them a bit more what happened but you know in case there's anything new that I haven't explained then you know sorry but I am well I expect I will have contacted you by the time you might see this so Steve had been in prison nearly well he'd He'd been arrested prior to me, so he'd been there a bit longer. Uh, had done uh about the same time as me, nine years when he got killed. So it's the he, old drugs charge, is it then? Yeah, he was actually arrested without any drugs at all. But uh they or he and his group had been shipping coke into um the docks at Avonmouth in Bristol. Uh welded into the digger arms of JCB's and uh, oh. big machinery, it was like three or 400 kilos. Agreed, that he was up for so he's got a conspira- <coughs> conspiracy charge. Yeah, I ended up getting sentenced to the maximum 25 years, which is what they tried to give me. Uh, he had lost hundreds of thousands of dollars through corrupt lawyers that had stolen the money from him. Other people, other inmates who had said they could help with lawyers who had just stolen the money from him. Uh, he'd lived in Spain for years and uh. Yeah. So towards the end of his sentence he starts trying to do business because he's desperate for money to get out he's desperate to get out doesn't want to go back to Britain he wants to go home to Spain so he's trying to avoid uh, getting repatriated or extradited or any, any of that sort of stuff back to uh, England So he starts doing business with the Cubanos which were the gang that I just described who were just nightmare and I'd seen other people do business with him and if it went wrong you were paying, even if it got seized by the police or, or even if it didn't get there. Well, nine times out of ten, they probably wouldn't send it anyway and they'd just say they had. And I mean, we're not talking little bits. We're talking, you know, 10, 20 kilos of coke at a time, maybe more. So Steve starts doing business and I said to him, please don't do anything because you're due to get out. His parole papers had gone in. We knew he was getting out because he paid bribes to make sure. And the gang had come up and they'd said to him, uh, he, he lived like four cells down from me. We were on the same wing for like five years together. See him every day for at least an hour or two, you know, a breakfast, coffee, whatnot. And uh, uh, they've, they've come to him and they've said, look, basically Steve, if you don't get this money that you now owe us, because he did business, he went wrong and he ended up owing about 150 grand dollars. And um they came to him and said, if you haven't paid by this day, we're gonna come and kill you. So he was desperately trying to get out of there. He contacted the embassy saying that his life was in danger and they were like, Well, well there's nothing we can really do. We don't really believe you, we think it's you're making it up. We you know, we know you're desperate to get out, but there's nothing we could do. Rah, 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 we can't move you. And this is the problem, in, in like I said before, in the in these prisons, there's no escape. If you end up in trouble like he did, there's nowhere to go, there's nowhere to run. You can't go to the director, you can't go to the guards, you can't go to your embassy, because all they do, in turn, is end up... Because not the embassy, but the director of the prison and all the guards are corrupt. So if the embassy complains to the director, he will tell the guards or the gang directly, because quite often he's just in... You know, all of them are paid off. So he'll call up the boss of the gang and say, look, this guy's causing trouble. He's got the embassy involved, because that was like a big no-no, if the embassy got involved it was it was trouble for the prison and the director so then the gang would come and shut you up, any which way they could and uh, yeah, so it was a Monday morning, we've come out at 8, 8.30 in the morning to do the count, guards come in, done the count, said morning to Steve you know, I'll oh, see you on the exercise yard in a bit or whatever I've gone back to my cell sat in my room had me some breakfast as a, I don't know, about 45 minutes has gone by. There's a bang bang at the door, and a friend has come and got me. He said, Look, Steve's not answering the door, we we're worried about him. I said, Why are you worried? He said, Well, we've just seen all the gang up here, and they were coming out of the cell, and now the door's shut, we can't get in, and he's not answering, and we don't know where he is. I was like, Oh, fuck. Mm. so I've come out, and above the door uh, to each cell, there was, a, there was a, like a space for an air conditioning unit smashed through the wall. And he had an air conditioner in there. So we pulled the air conditioner out. And sure enough, he's in there. He's hung. And we got in, tried to save him. But it was obvious that he'd been strung up because there was no chair for him to have jumped off. All the chairs were neatly against the side of the cell. He couldn't have gone off his bed. There was, a, there was a, like an iron ring up in the ceiling, which we, we knew was there. And his head was actually tied, touching the ceiling. Now, when you hang yourself, there's a drop you're not tied do, do you see what I mean yeah, that yeah. knot slips or or well you see, it slips a little bit anyway so we knew he'd been killed so they this is one of their favourite ways of getting rid of people they would come in put you in a stranglehold dear Armando probably uh, knock you out so you're unconscious tie you up string you up and then you would you would suffocate what well, you'd choke suffocate so wow. Or, you know, the guards turned up and even the guards were saying there's no fucking way this guy's hung himself. He was due to get out. We know he hasn't killed himself. He's done nine years. Why would he do it now? Even the guards were going, this is bullshit. There's no fucking way he's hung himself. You know, all the police come in and do the report and we were all saying, look, he's been killed by the gang. But We couldn't say too much because obviously, you know. But we notified the embassy what had happened and they were like, no, it's suicide well you know, that's it. It's closed case. So he got epstein Yeah, basically. And two years later, exactly the same thing happened to a Scottish friend of ours. He hadn't done business, but he had got into a fight with a Colombian guy on our wing. Uh, Over what? I I think they were. I, I can't. It was something really petty. They were having a drink together or something, or. My mate, his name is Ronnie, wouldn't sell some alcohol to the Colombian. So the Colombians come back and try to stab Ronnie. Ronnie was a ex-military, done years in the military, boxer for the army. So he's pulled a little knife out and stabbed the Colombian. And thrown hot oil over him, something like this. The Colombian gets taken away, ends up dead a while later. I'm not going to say how, but he did anyway. And obviously Ronnie was held accountable for that Colombian's death. So, a little bit of time has gone by. They've managed to get Ronnie moved from our wing, where he's relatively safe, to another wing where he's isolated from us. And they've apparently how it went down was they, the police were involved. Well, the guards or the police were involved. They came in and said, "Oh, you're being uh, repatriated back to Britain because he, he was he was trying to get repatriated." They've taken him out of the wing to somewhere else where the gang were waiting for him and uh, apparently put up a really good fight. It was about six of them, took six of them to kill him and they knifed him, did all the rest of it and eventually got him down, hung him up, called it a suicide. But of course, it was obviously it wasn't because he'd been stabbed and beaten this time. They hadn't been as clever. So the embassy now came in and I said, see, I told you Steve had been killed exactly the same fucking way, exactly similar reasons, what are you going to do about it? And that's when they started repatriating this quickly because they saw that we were getting taken out,
0: basically. Let's we'll stop here for a second. Young people, if you're watching this, if this does not put you off wanting to get into the drugs lifestyle, nothing will. Yeah. Do you hear what he said? This guy, that last story was a tough guy, ex-military, a hard man who could fight off six people to a point, but ultimately he got murdered. Yeah. Doesn't matter how hard, doesn't matter yeah. what a badass you think you are, these gangs go in like packs of wolves. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and they, they mean, will take you down. Yeah. These are the hard-hitting serious consequences of getting involved in the drugs lifestyle yeah. and particularly if you are overseas yeah <laughs> even buying drugs locally overseas just trying to score they look at you as someone from the west who's got all this money i've got a story about that. they those. can, they can sell you the, the <laughs> drugs you go around the corner cops arrest you they're working with the cops yeah next thing you're on the phone i'm in the prison in South America and people getting murdered. mum Dad, <laughs> yeah. send me hundreds of, you know, tens of thousands right now. I need bail money. Yeah. I need a lawyer. Ooh. Seen it enough times. Yeah, and he's going to tell us a story on this right now. It is it's all a setup. You could think you could just buy some weed quite innocently. Someone comes up to you on the streets, you are getting set up. It is not worth the risk.
1: Yeah. The worst thing about Steve was uh, two weeks after he got killed, his parole papers came through, and he even oh, got out. Oh man, they knew that. That's why they killed him. Man, sad, isn't it?
0: That is really sad.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had to, uh, I had to tell his daughters this, and explain to them what had actually gone on. Because obviously the NBC said, "Oh no, it was suicide." It wasn't.
0: Yeah, well, suicide is convenient for the authorities because yeah, the paperwork when it's a homicide and all the re- you know the media involvement and all the investigation, suicide case closed. Yeah. So my little story about buying
1: drugs abroad was <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my friends who is again dead now, died of natural causes this time. <laughs> one of uh only few <laughs> to die naturally. <clears throat> His name's Fletch, was Fletch anyway, Jamie Fletch. He was with me in Ecuador actually and uh, we were doing some business and I said to Fletch, please don't go out and buy drugs because obviously we're on the down low here. We're doing some quite heavy business and uh, we don't want any attention from the police or anything going wrong. You know." Stay away from drugs, trouble. <laughs> so what does Fletch do? He goes out of the hotel. I'm sat on the on the roof. And it, this was uh, near Avenue Amazonas in Quito, Ecuador. It was a long main road going through the new part of the uh, city. And suddenly I hear all these police guards screaming down Avenue Amazonas. i like, oh, please don't let that be Fletch. Just had that feeling. A hour goes by. Fletch hasn't turned up. Hour and a half goes five. Fletch does turn up covered in blood. <laughs> Literally covered in blood. I said, Fletch, what the fuck have you done? You know, I'm checking him to make sure it's not his blood. He said, no, no, it's not my blood. Don't worry. Pulls out a handful of uh, packets of... Oh, no, did he get... No, he didn't get the drugs. <laughs> he tried to buy some drugs. And off, on, off a guy on a street corner... Another dealer's seen him doing it, wants the business, and attacks the other dealer. Fletch gets in the middle or tries to stop it, and there's this huge knife fight goes on between these two dealers, stabbing each other for his custom. <laughs> Luckily, he gets out there after the police turn up. I think he just manages to fade away into the crowd or whatever
0: and gets back to the hotel.
1: But yeah, so that's uh, yeah little story
0: <laughs> that reminded me of the time when we had 40,000 ecstasy pills coming yeah. from Holland via Mexico and we're in Mexico oh yeah and I told Wildman to chill and he buys a $10 crack rock off a street dealer <laughs> the street dealer's ripped him off he says nobody rips me off doesn't matter if it's $10 or $10,000 i am going back <laughs> and I said Peter we've got 40,000 pills coming and you're going to demolish the sky over a $10 crack rock are you crazy <laughs> he goes I won't do anything to him just drop me off so as I'm pulling in, he uses the momentum of the vehicle to like, Ram a guy. twat this guy's head into a lamppost and <laughs> knock him out right in front of a cop. Oh so I just leave him there. I'm like, fuck, he jumps out to, to savage the guy. Yeah. I just fucking drive off. I'm like, I'm, I've got this operation going. <laughs> Get back. I tell a wild woman, Peter just twatted this guy in front of the cops. He's got to be in jail. Go on, someone needs to go and bail him out. Yeah. And then he just shows up like an hour later laughing. <laughs> Oh, I know that cop. I mean, with all the cops down here, <laughs> right? Because he's been living down there for a few months. Right, right. Yeah, that helps. So, um, yeah, but people do risk everything, don't they, for stupid piddly yeah. shit? And that's how people get caught for yeah, big things. Definitely. I knew yeah. a guy uh, years ago when I when I was
1: dealing in Britain, a Welsh guy. I won't say a name, but uh, I used to sell him a couple of ounces of coke every now and then. And uh, I said, what are you, you know, what are you doing with this? Because it didn't look like he was dealing in Britain. And he said, oh, I work in uh, Dubai. I said, oh, yeah. He says, I said, uh, what's that got to do with the coke? He said, oh, I'll take it out there and sell it there. I said, are you mad? I said, you do realize that they will chop your head off with a really big sword if they get you? I mean, it's the death penalty there. They get out of the cemetery, it, and just behead you for drugs. And he was like, uh, yeah, but it's good money. I said, really? It's that good of money. No.
0: And if you're watching this and you want some wild man Don't stories, a good one to start with is English Enforcer in Arizona Prison Part One. We do have a wild man list with hundreds of videos on it. I do believe. <laughs> All right, so <coughs> your mate um, been murdered. Yeah. Have we jumped ahead to that story? Was the more that happened before? Oh that? yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Let's, that was let's, um, let's go back then to where we were.
1: Yeah. So me moving upstairs. uh just trying to remember how, what went on. There's I mean, so many years there. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What's was, what was the question?
0: <laughs> All right, so we're telling you a story in time order. You've gone upstairs. Yeah. We jumped ahead and told the story of your mate getting murdered. What happened in between you moving upstairs and him getting murdered? Quite, All the major events <laughs> in time order.
1: Um, actually, I suppose it wasn't that long after I moved up there that you got med. It was probably, I
0: was trying to remember. When did all this medical stuff start with you? Because you've not got into that. Yeah, because that
1: was, that was up in the wing, the new wing that I moved up into. Describe what happened with all this medical stuff. I mean, that, that was a little bit after, I think Steve, it actually was around the same time because my mother had died. Steve ended up dead.
0: And then I got TB. This was all in the new wing. Yeah. All right, so how did you get word that your mum had died?
1: Uh, Basically, she she had suffered a a heart attack um, and been taken into, I think it was Gloucester Royal. And it was, well, I don't know. I just just get these premonitions and stuff. And both me and my sister phoned uh, the flat where her and her partner were living within, I think it was within an hour of it happening. And I hadn't spoken to her in a couple of, I don't know, maybe four or five days. And just literally both me and my sister phoned up within an hour of it happening to ask if she was all right because we had a feeling. I know it sounds weird, but it's true. And, you know, that's when I was told that she'd had a heart attack. And she was taken to hospital. They saved her from the heart attack. But because she'd been drinking, she, she vomited at some point when unconscious and it got into her lungs oh jeez and um that was what killed her ultimately some sort of i don't know yeah her body
0: just shut down over a weekend so I, I
1: think it took from about thursday till monday
0: so in prison then so you, you can't express your emotions i remember um when my girlfriend finished it with me my second year in and i was Got off the phone crying, and I had to like, like, like get on my bunk and just face the wall, and pretend to read a book. I know I was scene. in, I was in
1: tears. There's no, yeah. there was no stopping me.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not shy to cry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <I'm> pretty <coughs> distraught. You've you've got this. You're surrounded by these horrific conditions where anything could happen at any moment. You get this news, then how not, do you, how do you adapt to that news? Uh, it was difficult because I mean that
1: was my worst fear. My mother died in prison. Or any relative dying in prison. And not only did my mother die, but also my auntie and her son, my cousin, all within about a period of a year. Uh, I got to say goodbye to my auntie on the phone. But I actually never saw my mother again. From the time I left Britain and went on the run, got smuggled out by the Turks. Uh, That was the last time I saw her just prior to that. And not even by whatsapp because whatsapp and all this didn't exist so i didn't i never saw her face again so that was uh, that was halfway through the sentence did you have like photos of her and stuff in yeah, yeah 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 and yeah that was the other thing that happened <coughs> sorry obviously been left with this cough because of tv so at the halfway mark all of this happens my mum dies steve ends up dead auntie dies, cousin, I get TB, and the prison authorities turn around and say, on top of all this, uh, we're only going to give you 11% uh, uh, like reduction off your, off your 12-year sentence. So I worked it out. Uh, it meant I had to do 11 years into a month out of 12 years. So I've now done six, of so at that point, they tell me, basically, that I'm restarting my sentence. And I'd sort of been trying to toe the line, not really dealing too much and stuff in prison. So I turned around to them. I said, well, if you're telling me that, because I said, well, look, if, uh, if I do some of these courses, do this or that or the other, will it have any effect on this percentage? And they said, no, that's it. That's the final decision. You now have to do another five years. There's nothing will change it. So I said, right, in that case, you're telling me that even if I'm really bad, it won't affect it. They said, yeah. I said, I'll tell you what, then I'm going to be a fucking nightmare from now on. Which is, I wasn't a nightmare. Well, yeah, I was. <laughs> have you got the TB at this point? No, it's, no, don't panic. <laughs> okay. It's, um. No, I mean, like,
0: at this point of the story. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I you meant now. <laughs> uh, have you jumped ahead? Have you jumped beyond getting the TB? <clears throat> um, uh, I think I was just, I may have just been starting to come down with it. Tell us how all this health stuff came about, because this is one of the most gripping parts of the yeah, book for so, me. so they And it really had me angry and upset. Yeah, so, basically, in, in the prison, you couldn't get any
1: medical assistance at all unless you paid someone. You would have to pay a guard a couple of dollars to take you to the uh, medical center, which is very basic anyway. You'd then have to pay the doctor to, to, just to talk to him. If you needed any medication, you would have to pay for him to write a prescription, which you would have to pay a visitor to go and buy from a chemist outside, which you would then have to pay a guard to bring in to you. So you see, it's nothing for free. Not even, They wouldn't even give you an aspirin or paracetamol for free. I mean, literally nothing. So it was a big thing there. Don't get sick. Keep clean. You know, Keep healthy, because if you do get sick, it's big trouble. And I remember at the beginning of the sentence, everybody saying, if you go beyond three or four years in prison here, you'll be lucky if you get out alive because either you'll get ill, you'll crack mentally, or you're just going to end up dead anyway because it's just so dangerous. And there's me at, already at the six-year point, and now looking at another five, and I'm thinking I can't survive another five years of this. What was just, f- just not going to happen? What were the first symptoms of being ill? Well, like, what happened was they every now and then they would come around doing vaccinations vaccinations and I was all of us westerners were always really sceptical because you know you don't know how clean the needles are are they reusing them you don't know what they're injecting in you is it a vaccine could be anything
2: <coughs>
1: so I would well you know most of us would generally say no we, you know we, we, we used to have any injections I don't like needles anyway the best of times
2: <coughs> sorry you're fine
1: <clears throat> so, um, yeah, they come around, the the Ministry of Health, Ministry de Salud, and they say, we're doing vaccinations for tuberculosis. And I was like, fuck that. Because, you know, us as Westerners in Britain, we've had our, our BCGs or whatever, you know, vaccines for TB. I don't need it. So I'm on the wing. I've bought my cell again. You know, I'm with the other foreigners. I don't want to get thrown off the wing. So a whole bunch of them come to me because I'm starting to kick up first. now. I'm saying there's no way I'm having this injection done. I'm not just not doing it. So about six or seven of them come to me who are kind of running the wing. and say, look, you're putting us at risk. If you don't have the injection, you could get ill and then that could make us ill. Just bullshit. If you don't have it, we'll throw you off the wing. We'll take your cell. And everything in it, and throw you off the wing. This was locals or foreigners? Locals, that. the the Cubans part of the gang. The gang again. You know, any excuse to fuck with you, basically. So in the end, a pain of, literally almost death. I said, you know what, fuck it. Give me the injection. And I tell you what, I regret that every day, literally every hour of my life. They give me this injection, and. Three months later, I start coming down, I've, well, it might not have even been that, probably a month after, I suddenly realise that I'm, I'm getting really weak, I'm tired all the time, I'm losing weight like crazy, I don't feel hungry, I've got a cough, the phlegm stinks, it's got a very acrid, horrible taste and smell, and I'm ill, I know I'm ill, you know when you know your body, you know something's wrong, I know I'm ill, and I feel terrible, I mean, I couldn't even walk from here to, you know, past you. So I keep saying to the embassy, something is wrong. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. And they I go to the doctor. He says, you've got flu. I say, no, it isn't. I feel absolutely wrenched. Look at me. I've gone from like 80 kilos down to 50 or something. I think the lowest weight I got down to was like 48 kilos. So I halved body weight nearly. <clears throat> um, and then I started getting all the fevers really high temperatures I remember a Spanish friend of mine who was then living in a cell with me to basically look after me I, I, I think I was out for about three days I remember coming around occasionally and he was just like a block of ice on my head trying to keep you alive wow so it, I got misdiagnosed for months and months and months and months and just got iller and iller, and iller until eventually they, they said yeah you've got TB And not only have you got TB, you've got multi-drug-resistant bovine TB. And I was like, hold on a minute. And then I start thinking, back to the injection. And I start thinking, surely they can't be testing drugs on this. And then all of these boxes and boxes and boxes of cutting-edge retroviral drugs, which cost £25,000, not dollars, pounds per patient, for a year's treatment, and you have to have a minimum year treatment. Turn up in the in the, in the in the medical centre, and an additional amount of illnesses, and the maker's mark changes four times in the period I'm sick. I'm on medication for three years.
0: Holy shit! So they injected going, going you back, guys
1: with it as guinea pigs to exactly. test the drugs. So you you think you've got a prison there, there's an enclosed environment like a town, a small town. There's eight thousand prisoners oh, man. in there all on separate wings, quite nicely separated, quite contained. Suddenly, and I mean, there wasn't a great deal of TB in the prison before they came in with the vaccine. Suddenly, there's different strains of TB popping up on different wings. People dying. Loads of mates died. Tire guy on our wing died. He was in a cell with Ronnie, the Scottish guy that got killed. Some Estonians died with Russians. Just, you know. And I get multi-drug resistant bovine TB. Boat that's cows. I haven't seen a cow in six years. (laughs) Apart from Vaca, the one I mentioned, (laughs) half cow. That's the only cow I've seen. (laughs) Because
0: you hear about experiments in America from the last century that were done on prisoners and done on black people where they injected them with diseases just to test the drugs. So now they must take that to the third world, perhaps.
1: You think how much they're paying the prison system there to to carry out these tests. I mean, he was talking mega money. And interestingly enough, when COVID started,
0: all you conspiracy theorists out there are going to love this. Oh, okay. we can't talk about it. I'm sorry. Well, hold on. Because it'll get us off YouTube.
1: All right. Well, this isn't a the theory. This we're about is to fact. take down
0: all of our con- co- all right. corona COVID videos. Cause it's, oh, they, no, no, they, they, no. They, no they, it's,
1: it's not. To do, well, it is vaguely to do with COVID, but it's not COVID. It's okay. to do with TV. Okay, okay, okay.
0: okay.
1: <laughs> One of the drugs that they were, the, 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 the Americans were talking about, Remdesivir yeah apparently isn't patented anywhere or isn't licensed anywhere in the world that was one of the drugs they were testing on us down there because i remember the name and i remember because it was a horrible taste and i remember the name because it was i remember the name of the of the of the
0: who's the co- who's the company's just putting these drugs out i can't Come remember on. which company it was i can't remember people them. will find out watching this video but
1: <laughs> when we got transferred out of that prison into the newly built prisons Uh, in which the riots have just happened, all our medical records disappeared, up in smoke, gone. And when we hit the new prisons, there were proper doctors there and stuff, and they were shocked. I mean, yeah, you saw it changed. They were using students from the university, medical students, to help out,
0: and things improved
1: drastically.
0: So where you left off then, you had an ice pack on. (laughs) Yeah. How bad did things get?
1: well i mean yeah uh, it was it was horrendous i mean i was i was so sick that on multiple occasions i mean not just you know once a week i mean like multiple times every day i was nearly dying i couldn't breathe i wouldn't even be able to stand up I, the worst was if i fell asleep because obviously you're, you're so drained cuz you can't eat and the fever and all that so i would wake up um, but I would wake up choking where my body, the, the, the phlegm has blocks up my uh, capillary, uh, bronchios. And, I mean, that's how it kills you, basically. It chokes you and, and your lungs turn to to liquid. And I wouldn't even be able to shout for help. So this is why I had this Spanish guy living with me. So I'd just tap him on the shoulder. He'd run and get a friend of mine, car, another Carlos from, D- from the Dominican Republic, who would... Uh, basically, come and inject me with um, dexamethasone, which is uh, what kept me alive. So I had to keep a syringe on hand, ready, you know, with the dexamethasone
0: in it to to hit me up. What's crazy about this is you survived the slaughterhouse, yeah, and then no doubt Western companies come in and, Try and are paying off. people <laughs> off, paying people off to do. Human trials that yeah. they can't do in the West. And that, and that almost kills you. Yeah. And you're still living with the consequences yeah, of that so to
1: this I've, day. I've got COPD as a result of it.
0: Jesus Christ. Yeah,
2: which,
1: and I had COVID uh, when that first hit Britain in January, not just gone the one before. Yeah. Uh, which I was lucky. I mean, I didn't even know what it was initially. I, again, I started getting fever, vertigo, and then uh, the cough. And fever, and
0: um, oh, lost my sensation smell. You don't lose it. Everything just tastes horrible. But you only have immunity for six months. So you're yeah. at risk of getting. I had again now. the jab the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay, okay. Last week actually it was about the only good things that happened. <laughs> With the dexy keeping you alive, then yeah, was there a like a, a absolute low point, and then your health actually started to improve? It only it
1: only improved really in the
0: last year uh, really? when I got
1: transferred to that new prison estate where there were new doctors and and they got it together a bit
0: and uh, yeah that's where that's where I've managed to get a bit better. So you're in a cell with the Spaniard. You have got the sick condition. Are you thinking if all hell breaks loose again? I'm just so vulnerable right now. Yeah, I did feel very very vulnerable, but I mean.
1: Because they told me that whatever I did wouldn't matter. You know, I started getting up to all sorts of shenanigans just to survive in there. So you took control of the alcohol business on the wing, uh, in in cahoots with the mafia. So I was the main alcohol supplier for the whole wing, which was quite volatile because, you know, when people get drunk and do coke and crack, it's it's
0: trouble. Run, so it, you know, run I, it down was, how you set the operation up, how you make the alcohol and everything. How they show, uh, how they, you they, it. they
1: they would well we, we when I was actually when I was downstairs in the wing where the first wing that I talked about where there was the gunfire I started making uh, moonshine but because we could get fruit and yeast and sugar in there you could do whatever you wanted basically so I, I got uh, big 25 gallon uh, drums from I think they had oil in previously cooking or washed them out properly. I started making alcohol from pineapple banana you know high sugar fruits put loads of sugar and yeast in and brewing it up sort of wine. It was actually really nice. It was wine,
0: making wine. Leave it for a month, month and a half, two months, and then sell it. Did uh, you have to in Arizona They they do it in these bags, plastic bags, they put it against the wall because it's so hot. No, it
1: was the whole cat the whole cat the whole canisters. I had like eight of
0: them in the cell. Holy shit.
1: Just pay the guards off I
0: was working with the
1: gangs. So with the money.
0: bags you have to burp it so it doesn't yeah, explode. I, to re- <laughs> I was gonna ask do you have to burp <laughs> I, it?
1: Yeah, I had to release the pressure. Or, or leave it loose so it so it uh, didn't go. And I remember on one occasion I forgot <laughs> 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 this, this canister was totally you know full of all these bananas and uh, sugar. You could hear them hissing at night.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> this one I forgot to undo. It exploded, blew it, blew the sides of the uh, canister out.
0: Holy shit!
1: And. uh all the gang came running because they thought someone had let a gun off in my room. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they all turned up banging on the door. I've opened the door all covered in banana alcohol. <laughs> so,
0: so the brewery is in your cell? Yeah. Uh, when I moved upstairs,
1: I started, carried on doing it, but I, I then also started selling alcohol that they that the gang were making and they were making it on in a, like an industrial scale with... Um, uh, what I think it was just sugar cane and a few other things in there, and heating it up like to sort of distillery sort of scenarios going on, and making this really strong. Uh, well, what they call pure pure alcohol, basically like sixty percent, seventy percent sugarcane. Can you? Did it, did it give you the shits? <laughs> no, it gave you. It, it was strong stuff. I mean, you got used to it after a while if you drank it.
0: Alright, so once the alcohol is manufactured, what is the distribution process?
1: So they would then come around in uh, like the, the uh, I suppose it was uh, five litre water bottles, canisters. They, they just fill those up and bring, it, bring across like eight of them or something. And I had a big, big hiding space in a false ceiling in myself. So we put them up in there, along with any other noughties. And uh, yeah, just sell it. So, um, cash only or on credit, I would give it credit to some people, cash only, but obviously, there were a few occasions where fights broke out, and I even when I was sick, ended up you know I had a couple of people who actors as security and whatnot, but I remember lamping a few people and on one occasion they hit this Ecuadorian in the face and bent a silver ring round my finger and I'd have it cut because I bet <laughs> but um, yeah, it was but because I was so you know, I lost so much weight, it was. It was dangerous. They, they ended up calling me Loco Pete, Crazy Pete. Really? Because I'd get into scraps and stuff and they thought, you know, bearing in mind how dangerous it was. Yeah. They just thought I was absolutely crazy. But you, I'd sort of lost hope of getting out of there alive. Mm. So when you get to that point and you've seen so much violence, it sort of becomes, you sort of, I don't know, it's weird, you just sort of become numb to it, I don't know. What was your scariest conflict during this period of time? I was. Almost definitely like that, that gunfight
0: downstairs. Well, the gunfight that I nearly got shot in downstairs, you know. Before it, you got moved upstairs. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm asking during the sickness. Oh, during the what sickness. What was your most serious conflict during the sickness? The most, most serious what? Con- Confl- conflict, conflict you got in during um, the sickness,
2: yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just fights, really, mainly. And, uh,
0: yeah. I think and what's your support from the outside world like at this point with... oh no
1: actually I got hit across the back Ooh, oh that, well. yeah I didn't walk for three months I was trying to split, it wasn't me I was trying to split two people up and I was bent over and somebody came up behind me with a bit of two before whatever, and smacked me straight across the back about midway down down, and my, my spine's got a kink in it now and uh, I thought they'd broken my back and uh, I had to be carried to my bed and I'd lay there for about
0: pretty much for yeah, two or three months. Jesus, but that was yeah, that was scary. Did we able to get any medical attention for that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> thought you broke your back, and they don't give you any medical attention. No. Like have a TB shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, trying to get out to hospital for TB was. I
1: mean, like they took me out once when they thought I was actually dying. Mm. I mean, and it was kind of because the gang wanted to get my cell. They 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 wanted to get me out of the prison for the day so they could rob my cell. So they arranged a hospital trip. for me.
0: <laughs> what, Thanks, guys. What's it like going out of the prison to a
1: hospital? What's that like? Uh, it, if I'd been better, scenic? I would have. I would have tried to escape because they only sent me with one guy because I was that fucked. I couldn't run anywhere. So there was. I, th- I think there was one guard, a driver, and somebody from the embassy turned up. Are you handcuffed up like crazy? On that occasion, no, not really, because they they saw. I mean, I was dying. I
0: mean, I couldn't. They virtually had to get a wheelchair to take me from the car to the hospital. Yeah. And, like, seeing the outside world, did that bring back memories? I'd never been in (laughs) Guayaquil. Gotcha. (laughs) And you're quite out No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even get the opportunity to chat up a nurse or anything? No. (laughs) 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 Couldn't talk. (laughs) (laughs) So... We're getting towards then, where you must get some good news then at some point about it getting released. No. 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 <laughs> nothing. There's nothing good happens no. in this story. It just gets worse and worse. Yeah,
1: pretty much. I mean, the, the only, as far as getting released goes, I mean, the only good news came when I have to backtrack again. Basically, when I got sentenced, uh, not only was I sentenced to 12 years, but there was a, a fine of $8,000 on top. But the fine only kicked in. It's oh, stupid. They, they only sort of applied it if you wanted to get repatriated back to your home country. So I mean, even the government were making money on you. Of course. So, they, so you had to pay the fine if you were getting repatriated before you could get repatriated. And I point blank refused to pay $8,000 to come back to England where I thought I was facing 25 years in prison here. Minimum. So I thought, I'm not paying eight grand for the, for, for the pleasure. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? So I was trying to long it out and stay in Ecuador, hoping that any minute now I'll be able to bribe my way out, escape, get out, whatever, any way out, but England. Obviously, time goes on. I'm sick. There's gunfights going on. There's people getting killed left, right, and center. My family are at the wits end. Half my family's died. And they just have enough. But, you know, and, and, and say, look, we're going to pay the $80,000 fine. I didn't want them to. I said, please don't, because it made me feel bad. You know, I didn't want them. They've suffered enough already. I, you know, anyway, they pay the fine. It takes ages for the process to go through. I mean, like, I'm talking a year and a half, two years for the repatriation process to go through. Paperwork going back and forth between England and Ecuador. Boom, boom, boom. Julian Assange gets arrested and ends up in the Ecuadorian... No, not arrested. Takes refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy. And I'm joking, going, perhaps I'd do a prisoner swap. (laughs) Trade me off with Assange. (laughs) Oops. So, uh, yeah, so they pay the fine. I get taken from Guayaquil to Quito for a psychological evaluation, which was interesting, and that on that occasion, they took a lot of heavy machine guns with me because obviously that I'd tried to escape from Quito. Uh, so they thought, yeah, this guy might try and escape. So I had military you know, basically pretty much accompanied me, machine
0: gunned up all the way up. So back. we did your escape story in part one, didn't we? That was one of the attempts. One of the attempts. There was a few. So, there's a few that you've not described? Yeah, oh, I mean, you know what it's like. When you're in prison, you think about escape every day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's all you think about. Well, tell the viewers about well, that and The, women. the viewers,
0: the viewers aren't, aren't familiar. Let the viewers know about the other escape attempts you contemplated. Oh, with. God. There was, I mean, in Quito, there were several. I mean, I
1: mentioned trying to blow the walls the yeah. out of the prison with an RPG. We were talking about doing that. The helicopter lift, the tunnel. The, that, the tunnel is what got me moved. Mm. I, I mentioned when I got to Guayaquil and I was in that wing downstairs where the gunfight happened. And I'm watching the news one night, <laughs> and a news bulletin comes on oh, there's been a tunnel found at Quito Prison. Oh, did I mention this?
0: I can't remember. And
1: that they, they, in the process of digging a road out round the, the perimeter of the prison, mm. they'd come across our tunnel. <laughs> and we, did, we had actually managed to get out uh, under the wall. We knew we were out under mm. the wall, but we just hadn't come up yet. So, uh, yeah, that was on the news. I, obviously, I, I kept quiet. Didn't mention it to anyone, but I was
0: laughing quietly to myself. <laughs> Do you know like, of any like lone wolf escapes, like Westerners just there, there bribing was, and paying and slipping out in the night? Well, I was, I was,
1: oddly enough, I was talking to a guy just the other day who, an English guy came into the prison in Quito, a guy called John from Manchester, after I'd been transferred, and he actually managed to escape out of Quito. Did he? He, he managed to get over the wall, and they were quite high walls. It was like, you know, sort of 15, 20 foot high wall. Fell. I think he broke his, broke something anyway, but managed to get away. Escaped to Peru, where he tried to do another run, drug run. <laughs> Lesson. <laughs> got caught there. Lessons Ended learned. up in prison in Peru. Um, Because I met a guy who'd done the reverse, who'd been in prison in Peru, got out of there, come to Ecuador, tried to do a run out of Ecuador and ended up in prison with us. And he knew the guy there. those' <laughs> all these crazy stories. So I think John, I don't know whether you're out there now, but I think I think
0: he's free now, apparently. Someone told me the other day. Wow. Finally. Yeah, it was interesting in, in Natalie Welch's... A guard fell in love with her. Yeah. So that's how she facilitated her escape. I'll let people check the audio book. I don't want to spoil the story. I- I needed, yeah. I did a similar, vaguely similar thing. Nearly
1: happened to me over there in the last prison I was in. The new Supermax was this. Uh, an Ecuadorian female guard uh, took a liking to me and uh, named Paula. Paula, and uh, yeah, if I had have been there for longer, I would have tried to maybe do the same or something similar. Definitely.
0: Yeah, if you can get some help yeah. from the guards. Yeah. So female guard in that dangerous environment does the respect of the women carry forward they're safe are they oh yeah 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 very much so was there any um you've talked about a lot about your conflicts with the gang members um did any guards have it in for you
1: no I mean you, you saw you, you didn't really see a lot of the guards. in Quito the, um because I started sort of running the wing with the foreigners at the, I ended up having to bribe the guards every week. They'd turn up on a Sunday, and there'd be a row of guards outside myself, like paying them off one after another, Yeah. like three, five dollars, ten dollars, depend on what rank and who they were, yeah, just to turn a blind eye to our activities, basically, and the fact we had phones and other stuff, yeah. So. But not so much in Guayaquil because it was so much more run by the gang there. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really interact with the with the gang with the uh, guards uh, as much as in Quito. Um, so, I remember on one occasion I'd been drinking and uh, been up all night drinking, probably doing some coke or whatever. And the next morning, the count came out drunk, and there was a guard there, but he wasn't in uniform. And he was he was obviously being quite bossy and me being drunk mistook him for inmate. <laughs> Started giving him loads of grief. Ended up nearly having a fist fight with him. And <laughs> and then everybody got involved saying, You do realise he's a guard? And I was like, No he isn't, no he isn't. And he went storming off the wing, got back up, came back, and it was oh god, he ended up having to bribe him, pay him like fifty dollars just to sort of like yeah, sorry. <laughs> I said, well, you weren't in uniform. How
0: was I to know you weren't, you, you, that you were a guard? What about the boss of these establishments? Did a warden or a deputy warden ever the show director. up? The director. Director. They were all corrupt. Not all of them,
1: but the ones that weren't corrupt ended up dead. Two directors got murdered during the time I was uh, shot dead
0: outside the prison. For not accommodating the gangs. Yeah, exactly. Did they ever like venture through the wings? Yeah, the directors. I mean, did they have a lot of bodyguards?
1: Yeah, they would come in with some members. Well, they, they'd have their own bodyguards, but they'd also have some people from the gang would come in as extra backup.
0: <laughs> the directors of the prison got gang yeah, members yeah. bodyguarding them. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it's insane. So I remember the, this one particular director who was the last director of, of the old prison before I got moved into the newly built prison, which was the Last one that was in there, I was a bit confused. He came around the wing on one occasion. Uh, well, in fact, he came around on several occasions because he was that corrupt and it was that open that he came around to all the, the bosses of the wings and came to us and said, Basically, I want two thousand dollars a week for you to sell drugs on this wing, I want another. Thousand dollars for alcohol, and I want another 500 for the shops and restaurants or whatever. You know, set a, set a fee for each thing. I just came around and said, This is what I want from you. If you don't pay me, I'm going to transfer you to the new prison because no one wanted to go there because it was so bad. It was like you know, supermax, terrible. But in the end, everybody got, got transferred, and he
0: is now in prison himself. <laughs> for being so corrupt. (laughs) Did you ever fear getting transferred to the new Supermax prison? I got transferred. Yeah. They
1: came en masse
0: because the prison, the security just
1: had become that bad. They made the mistake of transferring all the heads of the gangs, uh, all the bosses of the gang to the new prison. They thought that would calm the prison down. But what it did was it destabilised it And that meant that all these underlings then were vying for power and started killing each other. And it just got more and more dangerous because what they would do, the authorities, they would just keep on taking out the boss of the wing. So they come in and have a purge and take out all the bosses of each wing. So there'd be like 30 transfers that come back a couple of weeks later, do the same again. So it kept getting weaker and weaker. So then the gang structure fractured. And it just became just insecure and really violent. And at that point, the president intervened and said, look, you know, there were sometimes two or three murders a day, maybe more. So he said, this can't carry on. And they came on mass, military, air force, the Marines, and just took out all of the prisoners. It was December the 1st, 2013 or 14, Mm -hmm. somewhere like that loads of us to the new prison estate which they built right next door for this new sort of gated uh, sliding gates on the on the on the doors. Uh, in fact, you can show at the end you could we we could put a video up of the prison uh, inside with the police coming in to break up this riot. There's no no murders or anything going on. It's just the police, <laughs> but you it will, it will illustrate what the wings are like. Um, so that I end up getting transferred. Did you know in advance? No. So what they about... just turned up this morning. On this morning, so we suddenly spotted police and military on the roof, and we thought, "Oh God!" We knew it was coming.
0: What about moving your property? We couldn't take
1: anything. They literally—I lost all my letters from my mum, oh, all my really? photos, everything. Couldn't take anything. Not a thing. Nothing. They stripped <sighs> us. They put us in a in a, a t-shirt, pair of shorts, and flip flops issued by the prison chucked us into this new prison that wasn't finished. They hadn't finished building it. The water ran one hour a day. So there, was, there wasn't there was fresh water. They hadn't arranged the kitchens yet. So for the first month and a half, they starved us. There wasn't food on a regular I just basis.
0: I thought this was going to start to improve.
1: No, this is what I'm saying. It got gradually worse and worse. As I went through, normally in a British prison, it gets better and better, and you go lower down in category. There, I went from keto where it was really cushy and I had everything sorted, to ended up in a supermax prison on a wing. The last wing I ended up in was built for 350 people, and there were 14 of us in there because they deemed us that high security risk. I was one of them. I ended up on the wing with Cubano, which was the boss of the Cubans. With uh, the gang named after him, yeah. And like ten or, or, or ten or more of his underlings, and everybody was saying, "Why the fuck are you in there as well?" And out of these, you know, ten or twelve other people, four of them were the people that had caused me the most trouble <laughs> no! throughout my whole prison time. Not the maggot. Uh no, he I think he'd be released by then. But the strangler? No, but two of one of the other bosses, because you remember I said there were three bosses replaced yeah. uh the Shawneras when they got moved. One of the other bosses was on there. One of them was. And then just, yeah, a couple of other, well, Cubano, obviously he was the boss of all of them. So that's two and then two us. Mm. So when I stuck my head out of the, of the door, the mor- of the first morning when I was there to see who else was on the wing and I realized what wing I was on and I saw them, I was like, and they saw me, I was like, oh, fuck! <laughs> but because of where we had been put, it was kind of all, all bets canceled sort of thing. It was like, I can not get at you. No, no. Yeah, I think we just walked across the yard and said hi. Okay. But it was like all all previous trouble sort of, because I was foreign, it was like, yeah, sort of, you know, fresh start. All the beefs were squashed. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Right. Temporarily. And perhaps
0: you had a bit of respect because they were thinking they must have classified you quite highly to put you in with them. I never found out when I was there. I, I wasn't there long, about a month. Then I, was, uh, I got moved to the wing next door. All right, so what is a wing like in the Supermax and your cell and everything? Well, you could show people. Yeah, yeah. After. On, on the pictures and the videos. Yeah. I
1: yeah. mean, ba- well, I'll give you a description. It was two concrete bunks, mm-hmm. uh, a metal toilet
0: and a metal sink. Mm.
1: Oh do no, was there a sink in
0: there? The combination sink toilet. With yeah, that's the, the ball on the top of the toilet. And then a, a strip light welded
1: into a into the wall, basically, which yeah. came on at 7 p.m. and went off at 10.30 at night. You had no control over anything. And no. that was it. We weren't allowed pens or paper. There were no letters in or out of the prison. We weren't allowed books. There was no TV. There was no radio. There were, were no shaving kits. I mean, we were given nothing, nothing. No newspapers, no magazines. I mean, when I say nothing, I mean... Nothing No canteen No food They would come round I'll give you an illustration of the meals They would come round in the morning Breakfast was a bread roll And maybe a hot Like colada they called it It was just like um, like, uh, Corn flour syrup Something Syrupy shit Or coffee maybe If you were lucky And a banana once a week It's making me hungry Just thinking about it The lack of food then around midday they would come around, you would get a bowl of what was supposed to be soup which is like water basically with a bit of bone in if you're lucky a plate of rice and maybe one cube of chicken like that like that just to illustrate like this top of my thumb and then dinner would be the same again and that would be it and that went on for about a month and a half until they got the kitchen properly sorted out and, and, and you know stuff working properly but even now I talked to my friends over there, and this is about the same. Maybe, maybe you get two or three lumps of chicken now. <laughs> but nothing much has changed.
0: I mean, you, they're running it on a budget shoestring. So were the gang members able to get the weapons and the drugs flowing again? It took them a little while,
1: um, but they did, yeah, within about a month and a half, two months. I remember when I turned up on this wing, they had phone Blackberries in there. Because uh, I remember the police raided the wing, on oh, about the third day that I was there came in all armed to the teeth yeah and they were even they were wondering why I was on that way <laughs> <clears throat> the only foreigner gringo what are you doing here
0: The God drug, knows even in supermax prison the drugs will flow it cannot be stopped because yeah. there's so much money in the black market that's why it should be, all be legalized
1: yeah, it definitely should be legalized. That's the only way they're going to sort the, all these problems out.
0: So, did you have cellmates then in Supermax? No, not in there. No. So you got your own cell. Yeah. Did that feel a bit more relaxing? Uh,
1: well, I mean, it, it's no, not really, because this was this was in December, bear of mine. So we're, we're waiting for our Christmas turkey to come from the embassy because we used to get a turkey every Christmas. There was no turkey that year. <laughs> <laughs> turkey was cancelled. Turkey flew off. <laughs> yeah. There were no Christmas presents, no visits. I didn't even hear from my family that year. That was the only year, actually, the only, only occasion that I ever contemplated suicide was Christmas Eve that year. It was so traumatic that, you know, in a cell with nothing, with no food, we got locked up early. There was no Christmas dinner, nothing like that. And it was, yeah, for about a couple of minutes, because it's something I would just never do.
0: Did you contemplate the method?
1: There weren't many options. <laughs> it would have been probably, yeah, bed sheets and uh, bars, I guess. Yeah.
0: About the only one. So you said all the beefs were squashed. These characters' conflicts must have arisen at some point between, I mean, them, or between when them and you. I say or- the
1: beefs were squashed, but when I saw this one particular, the the boss from that wing, that caused me a lot of grief. I, I did, me and him did look at each other and, and say, yeah, your day's going to come. I mean, I said to him, you know, bear in mind, I'm going back to Britain, my friend, and I know the boss of the Choneros, and your name is on my list because, you know, you caused my life to be hell for a bit and you were responsible for some of my friends ending up dead, you know, you wait till I go back to Britain and have funds. And I can send for a Hitman for you. Trust is coming.
0: <laughs> and all about La Lista. You don't La want Lista. to be on La Lista, do yeah. you? <laughs> That's my La Lista. <laughs> <laughs> so, did anyone make any moves against you? Uh,
1: in there, no, not on that particular wing. Um, I got moved. Something did happen. I can't remember, though. Uh yeah I, yeah, I mean, that many things have happened. I remember something happening, but I can't remember exactly what now. It's just something's ringing in the back of my head. <laughs>
0: perhaps, perhaps it will come back to you. Yeah, maybe another time. <laughs> um, did then. Okay, so how long are you in from? Farm? Where did you move to next? So that was the last prison that I was in.
1: Uh, I spent about a year in there before I got repatriated. Uh, I mean, things got gradually better. I, I ended up on a, on a wing for foreigners in there after about six months. Took a while to get there. But, uh, so that was okay. That was pretty good, because all my mates ended up on there as well, from the old prisms that I'd been
0: separated from. That must have been gravy after coming out of the hellhole. Yeah, it was quite good. Yeah.
1: But again, the conditions were that bad there, so it's all
0: canceled. One canceled the other out. So you always were able to get your hustle on. Were you able to regenerate a little earnings and wealth before you got released? No. No. Not really. <laughs> uh-huh. No. No alcohol production or... No. Not yeah. in there. Not in the last prison. Yeah.
1: Um, well, saying that, we did start uh, something with coke. But yeah, it was just too... I didn't want to ruin the repatriation and stuff like that. I yeah. thought you know, end up getting nicked for something or end up in a fight and end up killing someone. It's not going to be good.
0: How did you pass your time as things calmed down? Just playing it. Oh, I, I'm yeah
1: i i was I'm pretty good at drawing, so I ended up uh doing portraits for people mm. ended up doing one for the prison director, the new prison director, and uh yeah doing loads of artwork and stuff. People like to send portraits of the girlfriends and stuff don't they Does yeah well anyone... look, I mean it was more I was doing portraits of the inmates to
0: give yeah all these guys coming in sky. <laughs> <at them, like, laughs> machete no one came and gave you a picture of the girlfriend and said can you do this off, uh, off, a couple the of picture. them but i was
1: pretty wary about doing them just in case i didn't do it well oh, enough oh man imagine
2: <laughs>
0: gave her like a fucking hook nose or something yeah
2: Shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so as you're getting close to your release date then do you know when you're going to get out no this is a big problem in ecuador the i mean that was the
1: main problem the, there was no release date there yeah. If you didn't have money, I mean, I'm talking to friends over there at the moment who, a good friend of mine who's part of the Lower cartel, mm. you know, El Chapo Guzman, it's one of his, uh, one of his capos mm. uh, called Rigo, Rigo Villa. He is still in prison. He's been there 10 years. He's trying to get out at the moment. And um, he, yeah, I'm trying to help him as best I can with funds to pay the lawyer, to pay the judge, to pay everyone. Yeah. And if you don't pay, you don't get out, basically. Are you
0: able to speak to Rigo by phone?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was one of the guys I was worried about in the prison uh, massacre. And uh, I got, yeah, I contacted him yesterday. He's okay.
0: So w- what was his um, position in Chapo's organization? He was say? a capo. He was a capo. Yeah.
1: They, they got caught in Ecuador. They were, uh, in fact, the pilot is now dead. Yeah, well, I was really good friends with Topo, El Topo, which is the mole. Yeah, he, He's had songs written about him and stuff. Uh, they would fly into Ecuador in a Cessna, and they had the, some military paid off in Ecuador who would bring the coke a ton at a time. The Cessna would land on a road. They'd have the road locked off, so zzz, Topo would land in his Cessna. They would chuck the bales of coke into, into the back of the Cessna as quick as they could, like a ton turn it a bit, Cessna would spin around, take off or there, probably just take off the same way I suppose, long road uh, and fly up the, you know, up the coast back to Mexico and then that would be then shipped on up to the States so they'd be doing this probably once every couple of weeks and on this occasion Topo landed but so did uh, the military turned up and forced the plane down with a helicopter helicopter landed on the wingtip of the plane so oh, it couldn't shit. take off wow yeah it was on the news over there so he got his drugs got jacked by a bigger mafia yeah basically so so they all got arrested rigo was uh, the capo so he got uh well, i guess pretty high sentence i don't know what he got sentenced to 14 16
0: and what are you trying to do to help him now
1: just, you know, I, I send him a little bit of money every now and then for his uh, economy matter, like the canteen, prison canteen, and also his lawyer to try and
0: push papers through to, to get his parole, get, get him out. So if he, like, if, if you came back into the podcast and he called you on the phone and you put it on speakerphone, would that get him in trouble? No. Because we could, like, have a conversation with him on the air uh, and have him tell his story through the phone? Yeah, I'll ask him. Okay, yeah, I'll check ask it him out. if he's up there. Oh, but but he, doesn't
1: speak, he doesn't speak English.
0: Oh. Remember? You have Spanish, so, manual. <laughs> yeah. So you could translate it, though. I could translate it. It'll yeah. still be interesting, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Could do that. Has he got a limit on how long he can stay on the phone? Probably. I'll find out. I'll okay, find out what yeah. this with. Yeah, we'll make sure it will <laughs> absolutely will not get him any trouble at all yeah, because yeah, we yeah. do not want to piss off a capo in the Sinaloa uh, cartel. No. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, topo. The, the pilot
1: uh, ended up dead he, he got shot out, of the, uh, shot out of the sky by the Colombian military doing a run really he told me some crazy stories about taking off in the jungle you know those jungle yeah. runways that they have down the side of a mountain with you know whatever in the back of the plane and there's Toppo flying along he loved his coke he yeah. would keep a top pocket full of coke Toppo <laughs> <be> flying along <laughs> sniffing coke <laughs> turn the coke in the back <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy Toppo
0: and he got shot down. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Honestly, like, your story is just one of. It's like almost like the Grim Reaper is behind you, man. My a good
1: friend of mine, Mark from Wales. Uh, hi, Mark. You know who you are. Uh, you used to call me the Grim Reaper. Grim Peter. Not the
0: Grim Peter?
1: Yeah. Instead of the Grim Reaper, Grim Peter, because of the amount of friends, uh, my friends at died. Surrounded by death. Yeah. All my life has been the same way. I've never heard a story of or anyone by the age of twenty. I, by the age of twenty, I'd seen eight people die in front of me. Eight people die from drug overdoses, heart attacks, car accidents. I, all through my life, I've just had this trailer of death behind me. I don't know why my stepbrother killed himself and his cousin in the same month, in November, the same mm. year. I was the last person to see him alive. Just, just all through my life, I've had three girlfriends killed Well, yeah, accident. Patient to say. (laughs) Jesus.
0: All right. So pretty bad. We're in the part of your story now where you're getting close to your release. Anything notable happen? uh, Well, I mean, I get repatriated back to Britain
1: uh, to finish off. Did the last ten months in Wandsworth where I met
0: met David McMillan. Let's do your release. Let's do your repatriation story first. What's the procedure for that? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's what. yeah, 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 yeah. So,
1: yeah, so the process takes bloody ages to go through. And they finally, one day, they just came to the wing and said, Oh, uh, you need to, you're needed up in the offices. And I was like, Is it, am I getting, is this the, is this, the, you know, is this goodbye? And it was. I got over to the offices and didn't take anything with me. Got there and they said, Oh, you're getting repatriated. I was like, Wow, really? <laughs> so, Three prison officers, British prison officers, uh, had come out to, uh, had flown out to Ecuador to collect me from Wandsworth because they have a dedicated repatriation unit in Wandsworth. So they, uh, yeah, they bring prisoners back from all around the world. Are they armed? No, they weren't. No, just with handcuffs, <laughs> which is quite a funny story actually, because because when they arrived in Ecuador. They said that the Ecuadorians started getting out their handcuffs and doing a comparison, then they get <laughs> then they got out all their guns and they said, oh, Aren't you armed? And then obviously the British prison officers weren't armed and the Ecuadorians started getting out their guns and their machine guns and hand grenades and all <laughs> Armaments, M sixteens and whatnot. Glocks. And the British prison officers just like <laughs> Who the fuck <laughs> are we transporting? <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, so for me to be transported to the airport <laughs> was quite a scenario. They turn up, Interpol, four Interpol officers, armed, handguns, plain clothes. Strip search, blah, blah, blah. Get me out to the car. Front and back, there's a jeep in front, a jeep behind with four armed military in each jeep, all M16 I'm thinking, What the fuck? This is just for me? <laughs> And they were like, yeah, this is for you. You're like, you know. I said, why? What's the big deal? And I'm like trying to play it down. I, and I thought, well, maybe it's because I tried to escape from keto. So I start quizzing them, you know, on the way to the airport in the car, the Interpol officers. I'm saying, you know, what's the big deal? What's, the, what's with all the guns? And they say, oh, don't you like it here? And I say, not, well, yeah, kind of, but not really. I'd be glad to be going home. And they laugh, and they say, "Oh is that why you tried to escape then?" And then the penny job was is just like, "Oh, that's what the security is for." you know that I thought because I wasn't really sure why I'd been transferred from Quito it took a, you know it took up until then to confirm that's that was what the reason was behind it it was partly me trying to escape and partly because I was up to no good in the prison and whatnot, so they were laughing and joking and saying, "Oh, you must not like it. you tried to escape from keto." Blah, blah, blah get to the airport and they take me through the airport, all this military convoys of M-16s, you know. And it was really surreal at the airport because, it, it, you know, I hadn't been on the street for nearly a decade. And there's all these people wandering around just <laughs> looking, looking at up. their phones, just, you know, not really noticing that it's me being shuffled through, <laughs> surrounded by armed <laughs> police. And people were bumping into us and looking up and going, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there was quite a big uh, sending off party human rights lot were there at the end <laughs> never saw them all the way through the sentence <laughs> but they were there at the end just to make sure I wasn't getting abused and were you able to take your final belongings
0: with you or were they all left behind as well um, no I, I, yeah, I didn't get to take anything with me I don't wow. think I guess there's like a sense of I've lost everything at some point I've got to be just completely detached from material possessions. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, I mean, it's quite a good experience. It's liberating, extent. isn't it? It is. But I mean, the the, what, the only thing I, that ever pissed me off was losing the letters from my mother and yeah. photos because they were irreplaceable. Mm. And they went and there was nothing I could do about it. I mean, that was the most upsetting. I didn't care about all the TVs and all the clothes and yeah, everything else that I lost. Yeah. So what? That can be replaced. Yeah, yeah, Things, you know, letters from my damn mum can't be. Mm. And how long is the flight then? It's quite a long flight. We had to stop in Barcelona. I did think about escaping. <laughs> I was thinking about going in Barcelona. Just to it, avoid the ones with... Yeah, because well, I thought I, I thought I was going to be re-sentenced when I got back to Britain. I thought when I landed in Britain, I was going to be met with loads of police and and face going to trial and getting sentenced to 25 years in Britain for the 80 odd kilos uh conspiracy charge that was waiting for me here um but that didn't happen i mean i had i had been told um after about two or three years in ecuador that the british judge had said that he was uh would accept that i you know that i'd been sentenced in ecuador as long as i did a minimum of 6 years in ecuador um yeah what was it as long as I did a minimum of 6 years in prison that I wouldn't be re-sentenced in Britain but I ended up doing 10 years and 10 days in total
0: so never knowing when you're going to get out that uncertainty thinking you're oh, going to come back terrible. to the UK and, yeah. and t- they're going to bang 25 on you that must have been constantly really going it was. through your head
1: up until the day I actually walked out of Wandsworth and then I knew yeah that was it done and even then, on my release day at Wandsworth, because obviously we get a piece of paper there with the data on, you know when you're getting out. The, the day came. All day it went by, and they're not letting me out. And I keep going to the SO or PO or whatever it was. Going, what's going on? I'm supposed to be out. Oh, uh, you know, just keep mugging you off, going, oh, will be later, 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 later. Comes to the point of which later never came, and I'm like, this, I'll get on the phone and ring my family, ring the, probate, the probation officer that I'm supposed to be meeting that day. I said, Look, I'm not going to make it. They're not releasing me. You, you know, ring my solicitor ring someone. <laughs> so six o'clock comes and they come and get me in uh, and release me out of Wandsworth at like 6 p.m.
0: Yeah, I had a little panic at the end. I had like a thing called a half time release on the balance of my sentence that hadn't been processed, that wasn't showing up on the computer. Right. So I didn't get out on my release day even. I'm thinking, uh. if that doesn't go through, I've got another two and a half years or something. <laughs> uh, but they let me out a couple of days later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I was it's chit- nerve-wracking. It? Absolutely. Horrible. Those final days are the
1: worst. In yeah. any sense, it's the last
0: days are the worst. <laughs> Going in and coming out, like the stress is <laughs> yeah. off the scale, yeah, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, you're in Barcelona. You're oh, con- yeah. contemplating escaping. yeah, yeah. I was gonna. Do you know what I was gonna do? I was gonna drug the
1: the prison officers on the way back on the plane. I was saving up pills that I was getting <laughs> off inmates. I was actually doing it. I was saving up pills and stashing them. I was gonna plug it and uh, drug their drinks on the plane, and then get off the plane and do one because yeah. I knew we I knew we had to stop even in Barcelona or or I know it might be Madrid. Sorry, I think it was Barcelona we went through. So we yeah we we, we yeah. We were either going to go through Spain or Holland because that was the route into Britain. There's no direct flights from Ecuador, So, yeah, I was going to try and drug them and then get
0: out of the airport. And how long did you spend in that airport?
1: Uh, it was just whilst we changed planes. It was um, maybe an hour or two. So, so,
0: like... I'm used to like prison um, transportation and Connor and all that shit. How about like getting a, have it taking a pee and things like that? they, they got to watch it pissing because I've yeah, to yeah, watch me yeah. pissing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I remember at, at the airport in Spain that I mean, the, the, the
1: prison officers were, the British ones were okay with me. On the plane back, we had the entire two back rows of the plane. So we had one sat either side of me all the time and then one behind me for the whole flight back and they were rotating because it's like a 14
0: hour flight a bit tall and then to take a piss what what was the procedure yeah they would uh, what on the plane just whenever you wanted to go
1: uh they, well yeah they would come with me they I think they would cuff me to them take me to the toilet and either have to watch me or, or on the plane I think they just yeah i think i had to
0: leave the door open but go in just but you just like, get kind of get used to um i don't mean to be crude but you kind of get used to staff stirring at your privates because of all of the strip searches don't you? I was, I was telling my girlfriend about something the other day when I got transferred from
1: Quito to Guayaquil uh, on the transfer down I was handcuffed like, arm in arm with a Dutch guy and we stopped halfway down for a piss and they got us off the bus and like me and the Dutch guy were inter- interlinked arms and they, and, I said, and they said well can you open us up so we can have a piss and they said no you'll have to do it handcuffed to your mate who wasn't really a mate, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, It's Kevin from Holland, <laughs> yeah, no pressure to
0: pee here, guys. So, try,
1: yeah, exactly. And it's like it's your, it's the last thing you want when you're trying you to hang up pee, to it? your mate, and
0: guards are staring at your dick yeah, uh, to make sure you're uh, like not doing anything weird or getting drugs out your asshole, yeah, <laughs> or knives because <laughs> <laughs> you got people like they get called out for pee tests uh, and then. The are stirring at your dick to make sure this happens in Arizona that you're yeah, not going to get out yeah, fake yeah, pee yeah, or, yeah, and a fake a bag, c- of piss bag of, of piss or whatever, container. and then if you can't piss under those conditions you get a dirty yeah, you, and you lose your visits yeah, and your commissary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are the things you have to go through if you think you're a big bad gangster <laughs> you're going to end up with guys stirring at you trying to piss <laughs> yeah. for years on end.
1: Yeah, strip searches coming in and out of visits in England. This is, yeah. I remember the strip searches because I was potential category A. Fucking hell, they would go to town on me every time i in and out of the visit. Just, yeah. Come in, they were, they were coming, they would come into my cell uh, once every couple of days, just to completely trash the cell, all your photos on the floor, trample all over it, rip your radio apart so did, to the point it didn't work. I remember female officers coming in and strip searching me at Gloucester Prison, and that's they're not supposed to do that. And uh, they were coming in two at a time, door behind, like, half shut, and make me strip, like,
0: just to harass you, de- you know, dehumanize you, fuck with your head and all that sort of shit. I was lucky because I was in Arizona prison after they had ruled the strip search known as the finger wave unconstitutional. Which is... You're in a cubicle with a guard. Guard puts on the rubber gloves and sticks his finger in your cavity. Uh, God, yeah, yeah. They used to do that in Britain, yeah. didn't they? Did they? Yeah, yeah. Well, the
1: police used to have powers to do that in Britain. Wow. Police search. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, I've never had that done in Britain. That God.
0: that got ruled unconstitutional because surprise, surprise, it led to people getting raped and all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was the what's the strip search like in Wandsworth then?
1: Oh, I can't remember. It's just standard strips. So, I mean, I use it like you said. You just get used to it. You know? Yeah. So it's just
2: like. Pff.
0: where we were at. It was like you got to get naked, um, turn around, bend over, spread your buttocks wide open, and cough. And they're yeah. looking, looking yeah. right in to see the Yeah, that seems to be the the norm. Check so, you check your hair behind your ears in your mouth under your tongue. Yeah, check your mouth, armpits, ears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lift ear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, had, they actually said a thing where you had to pull your foreskin back in America and do a foreskin Oh, search. I've had that in
1: English, prison. In, in England. Yeah, I've had that in England. Did you? Yeah, police in Britain, yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah, that was pretty grim. Yeah. Don't get gangsteritis, young people. These are the things that you don't anticipate. But you just, yeah, i just. forgotten a guy that. guy's telling you pull your foreskin back. I'd forgotten that one, actually. And I was like, what? I you had no that? idea about this. If I did, When I started out with drugs, if I could see... I was going to end up with a in a room with a big <laughs> redneck prison guard saying, "Pull your foreskin back." <laughs> yeah. I might have thought twice about this. These are the things that you are going to end up having to do. All your freedoms are gone. Yeah, your body is owned by the state. Yeah, Her, Her Majesty's pleasure
1: (HMP). <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ple- pleasure in the Queen. Yeah, and that's how you're doing it. So, <laughs> did Wandsworth seem quite easy? Oh, for Wandsworth you? was like a holiday camp to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was so happy to be in Wandsworth. Mm. I got there. I remember that on the second day out on the exercise, I you was know, wandering around and there was some guy wandering around and crying. Oh my God, Wandsworth's so bad. It's terrible. I can't handle it. I'm going to kill myself. I was laughing. Yes. I said, You're, you've got to be joking. I said, I, "I, I didn't even bother explaining, but I was just like, yeah, I can't be bothered to explain, but like, just, just shut the fuck up. Really.
0: Did did the prisoners know your history?
1: No, I mean there was because of a few other people that were being repatriated, uh, David included. Uh, that's where I met David, who was in one of uh, David McMillan. This is. who's
0: going to be here any minute, actually. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean I could talk to them, and there was there was another English guy that had come back from Peru, actually uh, from Oxford. I can't remember his name now, but uh, so I found him, and we could talk to each other about the experiences that you could relate. Yeah, just trying to explain to people on in an English prison what it was like. It was just, you know, unless they were actually sort of half-sentiment, they actually interested and could understand and could comprehend. Otherwise, it was like, what's the point? Yeah. I was just happy to have running water, food three times a day, which was just pretty substantial in a British prison, or even maybe more, and you could get stuff from the canteen and you could eat well. And you had a TV and it was in English. And the light you could turn on yourself and you could go out and have exercise and not get shot or stabbed. And just the fact
0: that I wasn't going to get killed or end up dead was just nice. Did you find then that your adrenaline had just been going full tilt? Yeah. And then in Wandsworth, you started to settle a bit. Yeah, yeah. Just slept for about a week. Did you? (laughs) Yeah. And how long then was your total Wandsworth stint?
1: One thing that I found really, I don't know whether you got, you probably didn't get this, but coming back to Wandsworth, I didn't think I'd get that, uh, culture shock, Mm. but I got it massively. I thought, you know, cause I'm coming back to my own culture. I'm coming back to England, back to what I know. I'd be okay, but but not at all. Came back and it was, uh, uh, when did I, I think it was November I got transferred in. So it was just prior to Christmas and all the advertising was on TV so I've just been bombarded by adverts and full-on Western consumerism, uh, consumerism and capitalism, and just seeing all the food wastage in in Wandsworth, like half buckets of rice getting thrown in the bin and loads of wrapping. And whereas in Ecuador, every last thing gets used, every little last bit of food gets eaten. There's always someone that's hungry, or someone will eat it. Or, you know, whatever it is, even down to the bones, and I mean, it's everything.
0: <laughs> Excesses of the West. Just can't
1: explain the light. Yeah. Everything gets used and there is yeah. no excess packaging. It just doesn't happen. So seeing all this, it was quite disturbing and like, it was actually quite upsetting and, and very difficult to comprehend. And also, the seasons, I still have not adjusted to the days getting lighter and darker because in Ecuador, you're on the equator. It's 12 hours light, 12 hours dark, day in, day out, all year round. Yet here, Suddenly it's getting lighter and darker and hotter and colder and just yeah.
0: Mess- messes look with at your me where I'm dressed. I still find it weird. Messes with your head. Yeah. Yeah, I was out of the country for 17 years. So coming back, I didn't, wow. I didn't do- How um, long did you do it over there? I did it's six, but I didn't transfer. Right. So I just got straight deported. Right. Okay. And then I was just like my mum and dad and my sister were at the airport and um, they took me for Indian food right away. Yeah. But because of the stuff that I had that occasionally had dead rats in it and stuff, I couldn't eat it. Oof. Yeah. So we just got um vegetarian options stay. I, <laughs> I I I converted to the Hindu religion to get the vegetarian diet right, to yeah, play yeah. the system where I was at. Um <laughs> but yeah, adapting then it was a trip. Like you see, like the wealth of the country from when I'd left. Yeah. Houses that my parents the street no longer had like a little car outside they had like two or three cars outside Yeah, all the kids yeah. are going around with cell phones yeah the whole society had changed didn't it the yeah, same for me so when I came much. at the whole society because you,
1: you had all like you say all the cell phones the, everything yeah you, suddenly all the pubs had closed yeah everybody was on Facebook and, and WhatsApp and mm-hmm. when my sister first told me about WhatsApp yeah, yeah. I was like, "No, surely you mean what's up?" <laughs> you spell it wrong. <laughs> she was like, "No, it's what's, what's up." up? Homie? And I said, "What's, what's up?" App? And she said, "Exactly, yeah, yeah, what's yeah, up?" And yeah, I was yeah. like, "I
0: just couldn't get it." I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Did your family, your remaining family, visit you while you were in Wandsworth? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, yeah, was emotional when they first yeah. came in and I saw my dad. I mean, again, I hadn't actually seen <laughs> him on camera or physically, yeah, at all for ten years. So he had aged markedly, you know, right. And is you know it was yeah it was it was my sister had
0: a kid mm-hmm. got married yeah um, yeah it was it was it was yeah a big shock. Hold on one second then let me just go and talk. How long have we got you for today, Pete? Um, I can, yeah, I can stay for quite a bit longer. How long is you is your train? Um, I could probably get
1: a train at about five or six. I'll have to check. Okay. Yeah. So I've got an idea. I'm yeah, yeah. Get David in.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you, you going to oh, edit this part or are you still rolling? Are you going to edit this part? Two, oh, you can't. Oh, right, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, Stand up uh, my I'm just sleep. Ah! <laughs> <Okay>. um. <laughs> oh, David.
1: Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Well, <laughs> uh, Pete
0: says he can stay for a few more hours. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, how are um, you doing? How are you doing? You doing good? Yeah, alright. Should we do a joint one? Yeah, we really should. I wanted to
1: do a kind of
0: trailer.
3: And the gag is, isn't it? is Peter and I are sitting there as we were waiting for the man to come? Yeah. And like, we don't know each other. Yeah. And it's like that, that meeting you have like a stairwell of the tenth floor of something, council house. Where people sort of drift in and not yeah, supposed yeah. to know each other. You drift and we're into this, this one? We'll be, but like, the camera opens up, we're already there. Okay. So and then I don't mean to break thing, but <laughs> and we're kind of buying each other off. Uh, oh no, maybe you were already seated, and I come along and sit down. Mind if I take the chair? No, go ahead, yeah, we don't know each other. And then wondering after a couple of minutes, embarrassed silence, where he is, you know, we're the only person you know. I've
0: got an idea, right. though,
3: right. right? We're gonna be sure he's never left. This is <Yeah>. well, not <laughs> a got psoriasis.
0: It's <laughs> protective
2: what's it called? PPI.
0: <laughs> right, I'm going to close this one with Peter now, which is going to take a couple of minutes. And as I'm just As as I'm as I'm, cl- as I'm closing it then, towards the end of the closing it, you just drift into it and I'll say there's going to be a part three coming. Okay. And then we'll film the part three after a little break. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and what's the part three? You mean part three, two? No, 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 no. Yeah, but oh, we'll be both you guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that's yeah.
0: That's okay, great. so let's finish you. know. Right, yeah, yeah, do that, do that. <laughs> what's the code word for um, David to come in? Then I'll okay. say um. Afghanistan banana stand. <laughs> I'll say that. I'll say Afghanistan banana stand. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you're still rolling.
0: yeah we got um that was two hours now.
1: surprised how quick it goes isn't it? oh
0: man. It's lame, it's, man you and David it's like it just goes like that <laughs> hardcore foreign prison experiences <laughs> bring bring me them all day long <laughs> <laughs> Okay.
1: Yeah, we saw that for breakfast. Yeah,
0: <laughs> my 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 idea is we're gonna start. We'll start out the next one we're gonna do together, with us reacting to those videos. <laughs> yeah. Oh sure. I'm sure you do. <laughs> oh, my head's getting cut off and hearts beating and everything. Yeah. Uh. Oh, is it?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of satanic stuff going on.
0: Yeah. Are we good? Yeah. Okay. Wow, Peter. So we're at two minutes in. We're going to round up. Two this. hours. Two, two hours. Two,
2: <laughs> two seconds. Hold on to this. <laughs> Let's start again.
0: Wow, Peter. So we're at two hours in. Yeah. Part two. Again, just absolutely mind-blowing. The absolute depths of horror, depravity, medical experimentation. (laughs) Finally, you know, coming home and thinking you're going to get 25 years on top of that so you never actually knew when you were going to get out. Yeah, not until the day I walked out of Wandsworth. The mindfuck, the uncertainty of not knowing when you get out is, is horrendous. And then you end up in Wandsworth and you bumped into a guy who's been in trouble in Afghanistan, Banistan, apparently, all over the world. Um, yeah, David. Oh, here he is. <laughs> oh, here he is. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, How, How, How are, are you doing? How are you? Yeah, somebody. <laughs> gave me this address. I didn't realise like
2: it was yours. It's there
1: will be a long later. <laughs> That's Joe. That's Joe. That's James. Well, I want twice what.
3: The bananas I wondered
1: before. So, yeah. Oh, there's a box. That's yeah. Isn't
2: it crazy? Hey, look at that. There's enough news piled up here. At least up. you still got your head. It's a little French lady. They seem to live There's the bananas. Banana man. <laughs> it's, it's been venomous, man. Yeah, well, actually, you just saw
1: that shipment that just came into Tottenham the other day, didn't you? That was in bananas. Oh, was it? That was from Colombia. That. I'm wow. not saying that was my maids, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. not far off. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, but the
3: the, um, the other ones I had some guavas and um, uh,
1: what's
0: another that? Called? Mango. <laughs> oh, I yeah, we'll love a mango. That. Pumpaya, waitrose, waitrose mango fingers. It was in, some of that. Papaya. Waitrose, mango fingers?
3: Some of them were uh, rubber and, and plastic.
1: Well, right. That's the ones we were doing. Do, rubber. <laughs> could you have your. <laughs> 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 this is PPE, okay. David. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Protective. Yeah. Just wait till you see my uh, coronavirus mask. I thought there was something mask. you're not telling
1: me Where's
0: <laughs> my <laughs> coronavirus mask? Yeah.
1: What else have you got in your bag?
0: <laughs> the government said.
1: Okay, here we go. The government said
0: we have to wear a mask. <laughs> people, yeah. it's just, people are quite boring. He is the joker. Wearing, <laughs> if everybody would step up and wear a really interesting mask, oh the whole world would be like carnival time. <laughs> it, everyone's depressed it and just, gloomy like, uh, with the little blue thing on, the little surgical blue thing.
1: This is Sean's version of the mask. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you
0: know, Boris Brecher, famous rave DJ. He oh, yeah. wears it yeah that's boris brecker's mask isn't it boris brecker's mask yeah i have to have it imported from europe that's cool and the reason i'm wearing it is and i've been doing a few dropping a few photos in it is because there's these conspiracy theories going out now saying because i can report on epstein and not get deplatformed i am working for the illuminati So, yes, as you can see, I'm feeding into that conspiracy theory.
3: You know, there's a ceremony you've got to go through to (laughs) become a fully-fledged member. I don't know if you want that to go to
0: it. We're going to get to that in part three, which is coming up in the channel within weeks, I imagine, (laughs) at the rate these things are going these days. So please join us for part three with Peter, with David, and... For David, it's, for David, it's part, what, 10, 11? 10, 000. 10 000. 11. In the description box are the links for Peter's part one, David's playlist of many, 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 many videos, hours and hours of that relaxing voice. Or oh, what to do
3: before you decide to end it all. <laughs> but at 11, you seriously would want to do
0: that. <laughs> and huge thank you to John and James for sitting here and enduring these tales. And watching my insanity, um, wearing this mask today, I really appreciate that. Anything? Anything else you guys would like to say in conclusion? Uh, no. Yeah. Come back when we. Be. No, yeah.
2: It'll help a lot.
0: All right. Fist fist bump then with the protective glove. <laughs> no, Three cross, bump, fist bump.